When you get to your first fire or two, you realize that this job is most certainly not for everyone. Welcome to My Way, a podcast that shares the stories of people who are doing life their way. Listen along as we explore what works, what doesn't, and the experience that happens no matter which path we choose. I'm your host, Sunny Collins. Thanks for listening. Sunny here. Welcome to episode 40 of My Way, or as we say in Texas, 40. This episode is the second part of a conversation I had with helicopter pilot and firefighter Mike Bothma. So if you haven't listened to that, you might just want to press pause and go and listen to that episode first. And just a few stats before we begin. The Great and Fire, which burned for days in December 2019, left a burn scar the size of 16,500 rugby fields. There were over 100 firefighters on the scene, and the cost of putting out the blaze? Over 50 million rand. No human lives were lost, but we cannot possibly know the toll it took on our neighboring wildlife. And yes, 70% of South African landscapes are adapted for and in fact need fire, but not at the rate and intensity at which we're experiencing these fires. The story is the same the world over, and the elephant in the room? Climate change. We left off last week on the question of how dangerous this type of work is. So let's get back to that. What is your opinion? Everybody always talks about how it's so dangerous, they die all the time, that kind of thing. Okay, so there's some raw nerves because a whole lot of people did die, and some close colleagues, and that was a bit of a problem mm. in, the, in the intensity with which it happened, and raised a whole lot of questions for each and every one of us, and it's a whole long story that still is a story. But, um, in essence, the job is demanding, extremely demanding, of so much of your being in many ways. So I would like to say that, yes, it is, it is actually not dangerous, it is me that is dangerous mm. in this environment when I'm not hyper-vigilant of my decision-making process and the way I am as a human being in the world. Because if I allow myself to act out my smaller, diminutive, lower esteem qualities, I end up being bullied and agreeable and compliant and a fantastic employee and an utter threat and risk to my own life and the, the, the harming the people I love around me by being really stupid and crashing because I should never have flown that thing in the first place because it was broken. So, in that way, I say, yeah, it's not dangerous. We are dangerous. Because otherwise, you're down such a slippery slope that asks you whether you should get up this morning and or whether you should live in a city. I think living in a city, if I take on, on balance, risk, um, safer 
doing that and living here than simply having a day job in Cape Town. So danger is very relative. It's, it's a relative term, yeah. And danger fr uh, from what? What is the problem? What are we trying to avoid here? Death is going to happen anyway. And so let's not at all dismiss it or, or, or brazenly have uh, uh, like deny, like say whatever. No, it's a big something. But what better way to contemplate your death as perhaps we all should do through our lives in some way than to, to go, well, yeah, shit, if I, don't, if I don't pull myself together here now, I'm going to do something stupid. It's actually really brought to me quite close to, um, now we're really in some interesting territory, <laughs> because suicide is something, I've never used that word, but I have in my long dark nights felt really depressed and wanted to die. Okay, so I'm not so unique and I'm sure many. But anyway, my journey with that was that I kind of really, uh, not regretted, but I saw the, the kind of devastating effect on the field that that vibration has in some way for sure. And especially in, in uh, constellation work, seeing how something like that can have manifestations for generations with the misunderstanding. So it's a little tricky. But I always kind of with a half smile thought, but come on, people, you're, you're being so like silly. Think about it, really. If you want to die and not commit suicide, just die and don't commit suicide. You know, there's infinite ways. Just let, death is stalking us all the time. Mm. Just let it in, in a certain way. Okay, so that takes, I guess, a, a different kind of out. consciousness because <laughs> when you're depressed, I guess, it doesn't like quite work like that. Your mind's yeah. not working like that. But, but for me, in some sort of way, that is kind of how it worked for me. I thought, I will never commit suicide, take my own life, yet. I better watch out because if I'm even having these thoughts and I go flying, or if I'm consumed in this drama of this broken heart and my relationship falling apart, that it's keeping me up at night and I'm in tears and an emotional wreck and I'm going flying, aren't I in some way sort of doing the same thing in a kind of a sloppy and, and not even being courageous enough to say this is like a very unconscious way to commit suicide. Right. Well, it's like going back to that whole relative danger thing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Just do a whole lot of more dangerous things yeah. with reckless carelessness for your own self, with loads of self-hatred, and sooner or later, but maybe not, you're just going <laughs> to suffer and bounce and scrape and whiz because maybe that's not what spirit wants. That was kind of a, um, my kind of brush with danger. The, the danger is the depression, the danger is me, the danger, all of these things come home to me. So my, my tools and my weapons of choice are, 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 are awareness and kind of trying to, but, but again, I come back to, to when awareness starts with situational awareness, which is something that teaches a pilot. Like, just pay attention 
to what's happening here, here and now. Mm. And we, and we were so distracted by yeah. uh, our big concepts and we're paying attention and we're expanding our awareness in some very interesting ways. But if the foundation of your situational awareness is so lacking that you're actually a, a little bit of a threat to you and danger to yourself and others, <laughs> then that awareness that you're gaining is like triply doubly dangerous and, and scary and going to lead to all sorts of turbulence in the world, which is probably what yeah. we are seeing a lot of. I remember being in a CPR instructor trainer way back in the day, and like the first thing that you teach is don't rush into a situation, like assess your surroundings yeah. first. Yeah. Make sure you're not walking into water, like you don't know why the person's lying on the floor and you don't want to be lying on the floor with them. Yes, <laughs> all of those things, Assess. just be present. Put your head yeah. straight yeah. and then make a decision after that, not just yeah. plow right in and For sure. end up killing yourself in the process. Yeah. So, Let's talk about what we're staring at outside the window <laughs> right now, the Grayton fire. Yeah. What was sort of the beginning of that for you? Hmm. Your first call or? The, yeah, the beginning was <laughs> six days before it got to here when it's when I was still on leave. So I think it was about the 11th it started. December. 11th, 12th, somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And I has, uh, we work a six week on, seven days a week and two weeks off. So that was my two weeks off, which I was so delighted about because it, to get two weeks off just by virtue of the role of the roster in December, best prize of a Christmas, but actually for me even better was this because it's my brothers and I share a birthday, so it was his 50th and I knew he had something planned and so I had time off for that and that was just before the fire. So I was on leave and enjoying that and then saw the fire start there in Grayton and I think on day one or two my colleague did come there at the end of Park Street and we flew a bit there, I saw him flying. And it was... What's his name? Um, Vainand. So Vainand was flying in my place and I remember like running around like an excited idiot really jumping on the wall like while it's like, ah, I can't believe this. This is like, this is, I wanted to do this. Why are you flying? I want to be flying up. Oh, I always thought one day this place is going to burn. One day um, it will be so cool to just work on a fire. Yeah, so I kind of had that thought in my head. But anyway, but Vainand's got this excellent pilot and off he went and did his thing. But... Mm, that fire had other plans and it kind of did what it did. It went up, up, up and started spreading out along the top on the other side of the Great and McGregor Trail. Which it looked so as it developed, we were sort of looking and saying, ooh, there's a fire. I was looking and saying, nah, yeah, it's so far away. That thing is maybe going to get big and do all of the shit. It might even burn that whole mountain, but it is not going to cross this great and McGregor the gap it's not going to do that they'll definitely stop it there Fanny's here I mean <laughs> but, so you both thought no it's not going to do that, uh, gonna do that. Um, I think everyone thought it's not going to do that but then a few days later now the part, Saturday was the 14th Sunday the 15th so that, uh, that night was the night of the birthday party here and the fire was kind of a topic because we were saying, we were wondering, we were joking, and another friend of mine who has a farm in the Eastern Cape, who knows, seen a lot of fires too, he, he said, nah, this might get you a bit, Mike, it's going to take a 
days and days if it does. You don't need to worry. It's cool. So, uh, because you're five k's away, is that right? Five, from five town, miles. yeah, from town, yeah. and that, and from the fire, we were even more because it was on the other side. It was right. further, so there was. So we were watching it, but what I did do is I, I, I thought about it, and I, and then I, oh yeah, because there was a, an unfavorable forecast. We knew it was going to turn. There was a front coming in the northeast, and then north northwest. So we knew it could come, but I thought so it will all be sorted before then. But in anyway, let's do a bit more. So I told the guys on the weekend, Monday morning when you come in, you must hit the this place here the, and start taking all of this water out. We've got to increase this fire break as wide as we can because I know Margot's placed on there. She's anxious about it. I'm worried. This is the most vulnerable point. So please get in there with everything, everyone. Forget everything else. Hit this place, take these trees out and go there and also go on top of the ridge of the dam and widen that as far much as you can. So if this thing comes down, we, we are so sorted, we'll just do it here. Uh, Monday was a public holiday. Tuesday was the day they were coming to do that. Tuesday was the day the fire had other plans for everyone. Uh, yeah, sun, yeah, so Sunday, Monday, that, that night of the fire, of the party rather, I burnt. 104 poles that were two like the same height as that because in our tradition of uh, the sacred fire and the practices that we do up here there's a very specific way and a very 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 beautiful connection it's called the, the sacred fire and how you make the fire how you work with it and the designs that come out of it in the coals and they're all very 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 detailed and I've had the good fortune of being able to be uh, an apprentice firekeeper, I wouldn't say I'm nearly qualified, but I've learned from some really, really, really beautiful people who have taught me so many things about that particular way of mm. keeping a fire and, 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 and working with fire as a ceremonial, powerful element in, in the ceremonies that we're doing that are largely based on Northern Central American Lakota and Aztec type uh, teachings that have come through strongly through this place. Hey, it's me. Just in case some of you were wondering, huh? Sacred fire? Did I miss something? Quick lesson. Sacred fires have been around since the dawn of humanity. They stem from indigenous cultures all over the world, from the Himba in Namibia to the Lakota in North America. And depending on the culture, the fire is considered a gateway into all things spiritual. And some sacred fires were meant to burn and be kept forever as a way to stay connected to ancestors. And I'm obviously simplifying it, but a sacred fire is nothing like a campfire. It is made and kept with intention and mindfulness, and this is what Mike is referring to. So, back to Mike. So, I burned 104 poles, not in a, not in a ceremony, but in the same way that we do it and, and well there were a lot of other things going on uh, my heart was a little sore that night but the healing for me was to just put myself in that fire and just serve it and work with it but in retrospect those 104 poles that I burnt were standing over there had they not been taken from there and burnt over there the house we're sitting in now wouldn't be here really everything's connected <laughs> yeah it's all connected so that my, I still have the calluses on my hands from that night. I, I, I got really close and involved in it. I was in a kind of a ceremonial space, I guess, without knowing. But I was praying with that fire, feeling that fire, and getting really close to that fire. 
I'm not really consciously at all thinking about that fire. Yeah. Mm. I also was lightheartedly saying this would just be the best ending to fantastic two weeks off if Vaney leaves me a nice section of this fire just on the, my own farm by the dam, last long line that I can put out and have a fabulous fucking end to this whole story. <laughs> <laughs> that was my plan. <laughs> I put it out there. <laughs> you could hear the fire laughing in the background. And the fire said, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Mike, we're going to talk some more. <laughs> But this time you're going to be listening more. <laughs> so, yeah. I went to work on so Tuesday, I think it, even Monday night, the FBA manager called me. So he's the guy who is the, very often the incident commander at a fire who is talking to me. He's in charge or he's talking to the spotter if she's there or or me and saying this is what I want, he's in control of the, the fire. And this particular guy, Peter, um, I'd worked with in the Eastern Cape, so I know him, and we quite, yeah, so he's a, he's a friend, and uh, he's just moved down to this part of the world. So it's been very nice to have him at fires, and there's been a whole shift in my feeling around my job. I actually was really miserable and wanted to leave it. I, I wasn't enjoying it. I was about to resign and angry and upset because my life was a mess, because my relationship, first my, the love of my life, the relationship I wanted to work with had fallen apart. And it felt for me like because I was doing this stupid job that I was trapped in for money that I didn't even enjoy because I didn't like the people and I wasn't doing any flying. And it was horrible. I was really not going, having a good time. I didn't like the job. But how it's changed in so quickly because one simple reason we, we as helicopter pilots in this job no if you're not flying you go crazy you get depressed you start convincing yourself all sorts of shit your relationships start failing everything goes wrong when we're not flying because what brought us to the capacity to be able to put out fires in helicopters a lot of flying basically it's just hours under the seat that's all mm. for most that's what that's what it is so that's what we thrive on yeah. and if you take that away from us it's sort of unnatural and then you have to get really creative and find ways to 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 take care of yourself and without destroying your life destroying <laughs> that's so i always say if you if you say we're here as i want to thank us thank us for the for the torturous majority of the time that i'm in a place that i would don't really feel free and there are a million and one things that seem to be calling and demanding for me to be doing out there that speak to my soul and my heart and I would love to be doing, but I just can't get there. And for what? There's no fire. Right. So if it was burning all the time, no problem. <laughs> it's like, okay, I know I'm here. But when I'm not burning, it's really challenging. Okay. So that's been very, very difficult. How I came back to flying, because I resigned in 2016, said I had enough of coming here to live here full time because I want to move here with my partner and I want to make a life here. Mm. And I was an absolute blithering idiot in retrospect. I had one of those things that I did was leapt off the cliff without doing any of the sums. So what I did was I, I lied. Same when we bought this place, I, I went to the bank and said, here's my very healthy pay slip for November. Can I borrow as much money as you can? Yeah, they said, you can have lots of money. You'll pay this off in no time. Mm. I took as much as I could. 
uh, which oh, not so much, but anyway, it was what I thought. So then, and resigned. I thought, now, I'm, you know, I'm a pilot. I'm not an accountant. I don't think too well about these things. Mm. But the mess was never going to add up that I would be able to start my own little campsite to actually put the input costs in it to build it, develop it, get enough business doing whatever, selling firewood and making a campsite. Are you crazy to service that kind of alone and pay for what needs to be paid for? And no way. Yeah. But one month after I got here, the point was made a whole lot clearer when my, I'd got all my things out of storage. So my six months in the north of the country, six months in the south meant that I was always just living out of a suitcase. I'd given that up, got my really beautiful library of esoteric books and I was so happy and patting myself back and lying in this cottage down there with all the wonders of my life unpacked before me in this new adventure ahead and that house uh, uh, there was a candle in the bathroom and burned down with all of my uninsured belongings the entire house how I got out was a miracle only the cat saved my life and then the other miracle that night was that that fire did not jump out of that house and onto the bank behind it that was the self-same bank that ate the wooden house that would have done the same thing that night and carried on up this mountain and then prevented this whole thing from happening because it would have burnt it that old bush and you know I mean it should have jumped out of there how it didn't was a miracle there were three gas bottles inside there there was everything I had Saki came but he, by then um, Simon stood there she st yeah, she and Gabby, while I was trying to get the water truck here, actually prevented the, because the little umbrella outside did ignite and then that was falling onto the bush. They managed to get that out and, and they kept the fire inside and that's all we did and that didn't. So yeah, that and fire that was took, just three years ago. that was 2016, yeah. So, um, okay, so then I guess so I, didn't, I didn't realize the, the day that I was standing on Flay Street whatever day that was, because that whole week to me is yeah. a blur, which um, I'm sure it is for you too, but you were in the yellow chopper, yes? Yes, on that Tuesday, yes. Yeah, so that's when, that's when I was watching you on Flay Street, go from Flay Street to Park Street. Yes. So can you talk about that? <laughs> because yeah. I didn't know what was going on. All the kids were on the street saying, look, look, look! <laughs> I said, no, 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 it can't be. There's nothing there. No, wait a second. Is that Gemma's yard? <laughs> yes, that's Gemma's yard. No, that, that happened. Okay, so leading up to that, I was here at a house that was next to Simone's trying very, very hard to, to keep it not burnt. It wasn't burnt. The fire had moved past it and through it very fast. So the house was absolutely fine. But there was a little stack of wood close to it and that little stack of wood wouldn't go out so that's one of the lessons and one of the things that in 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 all of this the defensible space mm -hmm. there's some very cardinal rules that are quite clear to adhere to that make a whole lot of difference and i saw that very 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 much that teeny weeny little pile of chopped wood created a big problem the house would have been absolutely fine and i was trying to get it out and I couldn't and it was battling and it was that one of that moment when the fire again started to speak to me quite clearly and it said mm, watch listen to what you've always said 
rule number one. If you're not hitting the target, there's got to be a reason. And I was just not hitting it, or when I did hit it, it didn't matter. By the time I got the water here, I started, the smoke had moved over. I had to go in a long way around because the turbulence was so bad. So I couldn't go straight from the dam to it, which was really close. I just couldn't get there because mm -hmm. of the turbulence. So the only way I could do it was to go from the dam around, 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 around come back up, wait for the smoke to break up and dive in there, put another load on that wood. Oh no, it's coming up again. The house is still fine. I've got to keep going. If I keep going, the fire city, wait, Mike, 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 you're not listening to me. This one is mine. And if you carry on here, I'm going to eat you too. So just think about that while you get your next load of water. And then I get a, the radio, they say to me, okay, the IC in town is saying that, and I must not, I mean, I, I don't think I can exactly get the words right, but the, 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 the essence of it was unmistakable. That I know if you feel okay to leave where you are, if there's something that is very important there, a house is burning or something, do what you must do. But if you can, we need help here in town which is quite unusual in a way. I would have thought, I mean, I'm telling you now such fine detail that I didn't even tell any of, the, in essence, I told another story. I said I did exactly what I was told to do and nothing else. But in that particular instance, he did give me a little bit more authority to make that choice myself. And it was at that moment of having these thoughts about what this fire was telling me and his message made it absolutely certain to me that I was going to leave and I was going to leave that house to burn because mm. I knew it wouldn't be there when I got back. Mm -hmm. It was clear as daylight. I wasn't winning. I better go. So I put mm. a little down there. But oh, this looks interesting. Wow. Just in time. So where's the water? I can't get it out the cliff because that's closed with smoke. So I go down to the river and the sort of most direct uh, are looking at the gorse but mm, I know for sure I'm going to take way too much time I know that river is not deep enough and there's nothing more frustrating than getting a half bucket and battling and you're wasting time and it's terrible so no, I must go down to the river I got there I came back when I got back I thought mm, my calculation says if I carry on doing it this way every time I come back there's going to be another house gone so I better make another plan because <laughs> this is not working so I actually just knew because I know the Downing's pool and I've been to the house I knew, and it's, it's easy to find I'm looking for and I actually was cursing the gardeners in Crater and you people are all just so flipping good at gardening and planting trees everywhere couldn't you leave a space for a helicopter come on <laughs> Zuma knows everyone needs a fire pool <laughs> so, so Gemma had the best fire pool she's got some interesting trees and wires and but yeah, it was the easiest one to get into. And well, anyway, what I also do is I don't, I like to, especially if it's a tricky place, I like to settle down and get, not change anything if I can. So sorry for you, Jim, I'm gonna take this one as far as I can <laughs> because yeah. I've, I've got in and I've got out, I know I can, and I'm not sure about that with anywhere else. So I just mm -hmm. carried on going there. And it was, yeah, very, very effective, made my turnaround time heaps different which made it possible for the um, ground crews to get in there because they, they, it, it was staying low enough. Before I'd get a drop, we'd come up and they had to back off. And each time it came a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit. So they were losing with that first turnaround. We were all not winning. And then the turnaround time allowed them to do what they do best. 
So do you feel like the whole of Park Street pretty much owes the Downing some kind of party? Or? Yeah, at least a yeah, garden party and a whole lot of water, water. and some... Um, a new creepy some, yeah, that might, yeah, definitely the creep. I don't know if I destroyed it, but it, mm, it, had, a, it had a rough day. Yeah, but yeah. probably the, the, the garden needs like seeds and flowers. I don't know what's <laughs> left of them. It was, ah, no, I think everything will, will recover well. Yeah, hopefully yeah. it didn't do too much damage. Yeah. So pretty unbelievable. So, yeah. I mean, that was just a whole, that whole week. Was yeah. So symbolic in so many ways. Definitely. So, yeah, this dragon had three heads. Yeah. It's when it came down and two of them pinched Grayton off. Mm. And really, very, very fast and quick. Things escalated and happened so fast mm. that uh, there have been a lot of people saying, oh, but why? Uh, um, yeah. And then it jumped all the way over to Lismore. Yeah, that was the one head that came through here. Mm. So two went down there to Grayton Town, in yeah. other, more or less, and almost pinched it off right. from two sides. Yes. And here it came through the neck mm-hmm. with its most ferocious force, aimed straight at Simon's house there, um, prim, and then, but kind of as it was going, spreading out. And that head went through there, up the hill, round the back, and off to Lismore. It, you can see the from yeah, the kind and of and then refresh Sandra and yeah, same exactly 23 kilometers or so in about four or five hours. The the most common um, thing I heard people saying when they described it, who were actually close to the real to the head of the main event of this thing moving through, yeah. described it like a like a freight train that was coming, which sort of you hear that's what people in in forestry when you have big plantation fires and the trees are crowning us that's kind of that and this was like this and it 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 had the speed of a grass fire mm-hmm. but the intensity of 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 old fainbos and alien and stuff it was amazing yeah and then it went all the way to mcgregor yeah that too it went uh, so yeah rafis on end but also because it was on this side of yeah. it went through the 17 kilometers through here to 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 the edge of mcgregor mm-hmm. And started going all the way back to Burieville to yeah, got as far as Burieville, first across Burieville, and then they thought, oh, well, it's going to stop at Halderstrom or Villiersdorp where the last fire was. But fortunately, they didn't actually manage to hold it there. And what would be your advice to anybody who is interested in pursuing this line of work? Flying helicopters on fires. Mm. Wow, I I. I don't know if anyone, yeah, so I suppose people do. Yeah, yeah, there are a few even in our company who said, no, that's what I wanted to be. I think by and large, most people who ended up there didn't know that that's what we wanted to be. We were just pilots, so we wanted to be pilots. And then we looked at an industry and found our way here. It's probably more accurate as to how the majority of us got to be where we are. Not that we woke up one day and thought, I love fire, I want to fly on a fire. No, truth be told, it, it attracts the more experienced and higher earning pilots who've got experience. So now, why do we fly on fires? Because we can get a job in South Africa that will pay us an equivalent salary that we would be getting offshore if we were working out there. So it's a much better deal. That's yeah. why we're flying on fires. Right. <laughs> so you're not a hero. <laughs> Of course not. We just, no. no, I'm still going to see you guys. <laughs> but, the, and yes, I know, because life's a mystery and why would you even, and, and, oh yeah, that is it. 
That is it. Yeah. It's nice in theory. But when you get to your first fire or two, you realize that this job is most certainly not for everyone. And there have definitely been people that I've said to, look, please don't take this in any hard or wrong way. But you must really, 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 really listen to what your body is telling you, what you, everything is telling you, and give up this job. Don't do it. Get out. It is not for you. You're not going to have fun. The whole package. You've got to be like so kind of a little bit crazy that the, it does really give you such a thrill and a kick of satisfaction. For me, it's the team effort. It's what a group of people can do on a fire. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It inspires me to want to not be a recluse because finding people in relationships is so challenging. But when you see what's actually possible under some extremely challenging elemental conditions, the capacity for human nature to rise and meet forces beyond our imagination and really meet them as yeah. a collective consciousness is phenomenal. So that's what I did for to get that to go, wow, this inspires me. Do you know anything more about apparently the kids who set the fire? Uh, yeah, so okay. I suppose that just touches on a teeny little point that I wanted to talk to for around that fire because I said that, yes, the thrill it gives me, what I look for are the highest vibrations that, of human nature that come out and express themselves in profound and beautiful ways that give me hope and inspire me. But the other side of that coin is that you also get to experience under such conditions the shadows of that and the darkest and most painful and difficult to digest and accept aspects of, I think, each and every one of our own selves in some way through this when you get pressed and pushed by something as intense as a fire like this. So you kind of get a sense of that in the job seeing it. But now that this was very, very close to home, that's kind of, for me, a very, very profound and knife edge um, place that I find myself just to yeah. sit there and try not to judge or even feel too much, actually. Yeah. Just let things be. If you weren't doing this, what do you think you'd be doing? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there are a gazillion other things I'd absolutely love to do. I would any day go back to living on a boat, cruising in the tropics, in paradise forever with the, yeah, that for me was, I felt that was like an insurance policy, that experience. Oh, wow. I think these will be the last places to hear about the planet falling apart, the mm. fish will hang out here the longest. All I need is 24 feet, not much more, bale of hay will do it, let's go. I can happily live, subsistence, live on a boat, cruising, island hopping. So, but I came back when I was younger because I thought it was a bit selfish and it just felt like there was more to do than retire in Nirvana forever. <laughs> but I'm now wondering if I had made the right choice. Maybe you'll go back. Yeah, so that's an option. If I wasn't doing this, and when you say if I wasn't doing this, you're talking about flying, firefighting, helicopter. Since the fire, there's a very good possibility that I might yet again say, I'm not doing this, I'm doing this. I'm now back here. Things have changed significantly in the dynamics that actually are going to allow me to express myself fully and do what I want to do here and dream as I'd like to dream here. And if that possibility is there, I'll give up everything for that again. Mm -hmm. And is it 
hard for you to sort of drive in and out of this burned area like every no day? it's so exciting okay. for me i just see i've dreamt like actually when we came to the farm um i've i saw that the 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 it without water without the really big infested areas down there and so much of it so on my watch it became that way i understand the dynamics and things and financial pressures and everything but I really did see it like that and it bothered me a lot. I wanted, I, when you say that I dream about fire, I fantasized about fire. But I didn't want it to burn anyone's houses. I did want it to clean that. I, yes. Well, I fantasized first about very fancy cutting machines and sometimes when I drive, I kind of pretend my arm's got this extension. I go, <laughs> I like, I do all sorts of things. But yeah, so <laughs> when now, I drive past now, I go, okay, now back to the, what, Flying has taught me, let's get grounded, let's get excited, yes, but you now have a two-year window of opportunity where there are some fundamental scientific principles and practices and, and precedents here that you need to get yourself together and get the right information, get what you need to do and do it and you'll be back to where you were and this land will, will be so happy and you'll feel clear in your conscience and that everything is good and fine and it's a fantastic window of opportunity fall asleep on the deck again or or offer the excuse that your life is in crisis and you're now going through your seventh death and second divorce i'm not really interested the result will be the same yeah. so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you'll lose the battle and you'll be depressed again mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah. as simple as that do it so what brings you the most joy in your life seeing and experiencing connections with people, with plants, with anything, something that, I, yeah, connecting. And do, or do you have any like specific examples of that that you can think of that come to the front of your mind when you think about connections? <sighs> Countless, but I guess the ones that touch most deeply are, are connections that kind of magically and mysteriously appear and if I, what springs to mind now is precisely what's happened after this fire where so many of the, the connections in some sense that I thought were so profound and real were really in some way part of stories that were quite complex and layered and entangled. But the fire burnt a whole lot of that clear and clean and left in front of me. People things, this place, the, uh, a, a profound sense of connection again within me to all of creation, to spirit, to, to, to my own intuition and to the people that just showed up in my space with countless gifts of exactly what this place needed, which was just connecting and attention and what happens and just to connect with each other and that and that's a beautiful story it wasn't anything i thought and it's not the people i knew and through this i found myself connected another way my helitech team that i've been to countless fires when we came to this one since then everything's different i don't know why but i think it's partly because when we landed at the top i looked at them with a smile on my face and chucked them out in this inferno that had all of our eyes like this and i said guys that's our house, okay? 
<laughs> because in the day we all hang out in the crew room and it's our house so they got the picture yeah this little thing it's about the same size as that shack it's like where we make tea and hang out cool we get the picture this is our house we're on it and it was like they sat here and did a fantastic fantastic job and they also saw i think more of me i'd spent so much of my professional life actually trying to hold it away from my personal and private life because i thought it might be confusing or difficult but having these guys sit on my stoop and know me better has made us a much better team together well um thank you so much for taking the time to just hang out oh, on, a, on a day when you've been working <laughs> Just yeah. know at the end of the day you just want to... Uh, but actually thank you because uh, there's, for me it is cathartic and good for me to speak in yeah. some way and it's been quite... It's, so, it's easy to speak too much and there's so much noise out there but the kind of way that you're speaking and listening and the questions you're asking has given me the space to just speak. So oh, thank you for that. Thank you so much. This concludes our flight with helicopter pilot Mike Bothma. This fire had a profound effect on this little mountain community. And I know that some of you, including me, are still recovering from the emotional strain of what might have happened. And for those at Blue Hippo who lost their homes and for Sam and her family who lost Lismore, every day from the fire onwards is a Phoenix day. You rise every morning, shake the ash off your wings, and figure out how to grow your life in a whole new way. And in so doing, you set an example for the rest of us, whether you know it or not. Please take a moment to rate the podcast on iTunes. This is a huge help for the podcast, and it only takes a moment to scroll down and click the number of stars you think it deserves. Don't forget to subscribe, share with your friends and family, and follow at Podcast Cowgirl on Facebook and Instagram for photos and updates. See you next time.